Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he lives in us. He has given us the Spirit, his Spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God who they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. That, a reading from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. Welcome and thank you for joining me here this morning. My name is Micah. I'm one of the pastors here at the Vine Church in Pasco, Washington. I'm excited to share this passage and have conversation together this morning. What is our metric of success? Like, as a follower of Jesus in, in our personal lives, what is the metric of success? How do we know we're doing this right? How do we know we're living right in right relationship with God? Or in a broader sense, more probably to the passage that we read, as the church, what will be our metric of success? How will we know we're doing this right? You know, quite often in our churches, it will be numeric, it'll be measurable results, it will be something about are we growing or declining? Um, it will be about the facilities that we own and these sorts of things. But ultimately, those are superficial measures of success in the church. In our lives, we do similar things. I was reading and, and studying with a group of guys the book Live No Lies by John Mark Comer. And uh, he's speaking of uh, this cultural idea of be true to yourself. And um, he, he speaks of this heavy burden and weight that this places on us to discover ourselves, to become ourselves, to justify ourselves. But in reality, uh, we have been told who we are. We have been named. We have been chosen by God. And we'll talk more about that here in a minute. But what is our metric of success? How do we know that as a church or individually, we're doing it right? What was the word in today's reading that stood out, that just kept being repeated over and over? It's the answer I'm looking for. What will be our metric of success? 
Well, according to John, love. God is love, and therefore we are to love. Now, uh, I, I must mention before we dig into the text a little bit further that many of the themes and statements made in today's reading have already been mentioned in the book of First John. So if you've been with us through the series, uh, you've heard some of these said uh, things said already, and we've, we've talked about them in some detail. However, today I will unashamedly rehash anything that we've covered for two reasons. One, some of you weren't here to hear the previous conversations that revolved around love and some of these statements that are being repeated here today. And two, some of you were here and you did hear those previously, but you didn't get it, myself included. The fact is uh, we cannot overplay or overprioritize the conversation of love in scripture, in our lives, and in our church. So today we dig back in to the subject of love uh, found in the gospel or in the book of First John and the letter that John wrote to the churches around the region of Ephesus in the first century. Now, the word love in English is used to, to mean many different things. For instance, I can say, I love smoked brisket. And then in the very next sentence, I can say, I love my wife. Now, my love for brisket and my love for my wife are two very different things. And we'll just leave the conversation at that. Now, in the New Testament, uh, in the Greek that we translate, uh, that we that we read, the original language um, had quite a number of words for love. When we think of love in English, um, often we think of an emotion. And New Testament writers do speak of love as, a, as an emotion um, on an, in a number of places. However, the vast major, majority of references to love in the New Testament are the Greek word agape. And agape refers to posturing and engaging toward an individual for their well-being. The vast majority of scripture that speaks of love is speaking of posturing ourselves and taking action towards the well-being of another. So listen here to the first couple verses that we're looking at today. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Here's his premise. God is love, therefore, let us love one another. And notice the directionality of love as he describes it here. It's not that we are to conjure more love in and of ourselves to give to others. No, he speaks of this love of God that flows to us and then flows through us and into the world. I, I found myself asking this question as I read this passage and I meditated on it and, and spent time in it this week. Is our ability to love others directly related to our ability to receive God's love? Is our ability to love others directly related to us receiving the love of God? Henry Nouwen in his book, The Life of the Beloved, I reread that this week as, as I was considering these themes. And, and the premise of the book is this. You are deeply loved by God. You are chosen and you are loved by God. That is your identity, the identity that you are invited to live out of. You are the loved child of God. 
And I do believe that our ability to receive the love of God, to recognize, to accept his love is going to affect our ability to live lives of love in this world and amongst each other in the church. In fact, he continues in verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He says in here, God showed his love, his agape. This again, the idea that love speaks to posturing and acting towards the well-being of another. And he says, God agaped us in this way. He sent his son. God loved us in this way. He sent his son into the world. And he says, he sent his son into the world that we might live through him. I think this is fascinating. God sending his son into the world invites us to live through the life of God. That we are invited to live differently because God so loved us, not just an emotion, but a posture and an action towards our well-being, that we are invited to posture and live in ways that are loving in this world. And he speaks of Jesus coming into this world. Uh, He loved us so much that he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, this is fascinating. Atonement or paying recompense is usually done by uh, the offender, right? And we as the offender, we as those that if we just take a moment to think back over our lives, we realize, man, I have I have messed up. I am not perfect, and there are things that I deeply regret in this world. How can I atone for what I have done uh, for, for sin in my life, for the things that I've done? And this passage says that God sent Jesus as the atoning sacrifice for us. This is the depth of God's love, that we would not atone for our own sin, for our own wrongdoing, but instead God would send his son. In fact, God in human flesh would come into this world and be that atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's how deeply God has loved us. That's how God has postured himself and acted towards our well-being. In verse 11, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. God lives in us and we live in him. There's this theological term, mutual indwelling, and it it originally and primarily has to do with the Trinity, God who is one and exists as three. And this mutual, this idea of mutual indwelling, the relationship amongst them. But a similar conversation in terms play out here in, in John and other places in the New Testament, as we read of this idea of him living in us and we living in him, him living in us and us living through his life in this world. It speaks of a two-way road, God and us and us living into and out of the life of God. And he says, this is how we know he has given us his spirit the Holy Spirit who will dwell in us. This is like uh, the seal of God's love in our lives, that he would dwell inside of us. And through the Spirit, we can live out of the life of God. 
God, uh, it says in here, um, God's love is made complete in us. In the English language, we hear the word us, and sometimes it means me as we listen, right? But this is a plural conversation. This word teleos, to be made complete, means uh, it comes to its intended goal. And, and so he's speaking here, um, if the love of God is not shared with others, plural us, it, it won't be complete. Love is not a feeling that's experienced in isolation, but instead love is a posturing and acting for the well-being of each other. And he's describing here God's love is made complete in community, in this church, in our lives as we come together with other people. Verse 14, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of this world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. He speaks here to the idea of we as followers of Jesus are those that have seen and testified that God sent the Son into this world. This, of course, is what John is doing throughout this letter that he's writing to the churches in Ephesus. He's writing a letter saying, I walked with Jesus. I know Jesus. This is who he is. He is the Son of God. And we, in turn, are invited to be those witnesses, those that share. Jesus has come into this world. He died and he rose from the dead, and there is new hope, and there is a new kingdom in this world yeah, in, in Jesus. And so here he continues, and he, he makes this kind of concluding statement, though it's not the end of the section we're looking at today. He says, and so, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. It, it's, I hear in this, this movement from knowing to deeply knowing. Like, we can on a head level know that God is love, or we can know on a head level that God loves us. But isn't it different when it sinks into our souls and we live out of this place of knowing I am loved by God? He says, we know and then come to rely on the love of God. I will live this life out of this knowledge and this reliance upon a God who loves me deeply. It speaks of moving from from fear to confidence. And in fact, he'll speak more about fear in just a moment. He says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we live like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. He says love drives out fear and he speaks here of judgment. I mean, the reality is, is we look back on our lives and think about the sin and the things that we've done. And we can feel great guilt or great fear about what result that might have with our relationship with God or our hope. But he says in here, we do not need to fear. A God who loves us deeply invites us to know that we can live with confidence, that we will not experience the judgment that we might deserve because Jesus is the Savior of this world and because we live like Jesus. 
We are being transformed into the image of Jesus. We are walking in the ways of Jesus. We can have confidence that whatever was in the past is in the past and has been dealt with by Jesus. And we are invited to walk in and out of the love that God has for us. We are invited to be the conduits through which God's love flows into this world, walking with confidence, knowing that we are walking as Jesus walked in this world. And in verse 19, we finish the section that we'll be looking at today. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. He says in here, we love because he first loved us. We know uh, that we are loved by God, and our love, our knowledge of that, and the outflow of that will flow towards others. He speaks almost in harsh terms. If you claim to love God and yet hate your brothers and sisters, you're a liar, right? And it seems almost like a condemning sort of idea, but no, he's speaking of the transformational work of the Spirit in our lives, the fact that God's love can and will transform us. And understand we're all on a journey. If this seems convicting to us in this moment, well, maybe it's time we invite the Spirit to work a little more in our lives. Maybe it's time that we we take time to dig into the reality that we are deeply loved by God, allow that love to transform us in a way that transforms the way we engage in this world. I'll ask you this today. Have you ever been loved or have you ever demonstrated love? This idea of posturing and acting towards the well-being of another. It's happened in big ways in my life. In my teenage years, I kind of went off the rails and fell into a pretty deep pit uh, in a figurative sense, maybe at times in a literal sense as well, but fell into a deep pit in a figurative sense. And I remember at one point a friend that I had grown up with, he ended up calling my parents and telling them all about the destructive things that I was doing uh, in my life. And though in the moment that seemed devastating, he was acting towards my well-being. I mean, it's it was the deepest act of love maybe that anyone has shown to me in my life. And it transformed the direction of my life. I mean, it, it, it transformed who I am to this point because the love of God had so transformed him that he acted towards my well-being. And that's a really big one. But on a day-to-day basis, we're invited to reciprocate the love of God. It happens for me right now in my life in my ability to be present with my children, to sit and listen to how their day went, to give them a hug when they're having a hard day, right? It's it's posturing myself and acting in a way that demonstrates the love of God in their lives. It happens in big things and it happens in small things. We are invited, though, to posture and to take action towards the well-being of others. So I'll conclude with this. You are loved. You are deeply loved by God and you are invited to live out of that love. We are invited to love because God first loved us. Let's pray about that. God, we thank you for this day, for this time to dig into your word. 
God, thank you for a word about love. We thank you that you are love, and we thank you that you have loved each of us. I pray that for each of us, we can take time in the week to come, and in this very moment, that we can realize on a deeper level that you love us, that you have chosen us. And God, we invite your Spirit to transform us. I pray that as we come to deeper, more deeply understand your love for us, that we will learn to posture ourselves and take action towards the well-being of others, that we will learn to love others in this world. As a church, teach us to love each other. And as a people, teach us to love others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, I thank you for joining me here today. I pray you have a blessed week and look forward to seeing you again soon. Bye-bye.